0: All right, everybody, welcome back to the Morning Report section of the Neurology Exam Review podcast. I'm Dr. Jeff Dewey. I'm an assistant professor of neurology. I specialize in neuromuscular medicine, and I'm also the associate program director and associate clerkship director here at Yale. Uh, due to some staffing limitations with the COVID outbreak, we only have one resident joining us today, so it's going to be a more uh, one-on-one conversation. But Tafa, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, and then also we'd like to have our guests share a fun fact about themselves when it's their first time on the program.
1: Great. Um, I wasn't prepared for the fun fact. we well, we'll on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm Safa Abdul-Hakim, I've been part of the other podcasts. Um, I'm a PGY2 neurology resident. And a fun fact about myself is that um, I just planted a pot of um, spinach. Oh, nice. See how that goes. i going to try to plant more flowers.
0: <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right. So I think what we'll do is we'll have just you sort of tell me about this case that you saw, and I'll make some comments along the way. And then maybe at the end, uh, we can both just sort of comment on the most salient things that we learned from this case.
1: Absolutely. All right. So um, this is a 21-year-old female with no past medical history who presents to the emergency room with um, worsening progressive headache over the past two weeks.
0: All right. Tell me, um, i can just sort of summarize the history, but tell me a little bit more about uh, this headache.
1: So... She um, has never had headaches in the past. And about two weeks ago, she started having a bifrontal throbbing headache um, that is 5 out of 10 in severity um, that kept getting progressively worse throughout the two weeks. Um, The time she presented to the emergency room, it was 10 out of 10 in severity. Um, She also started having um, some visual symptoms.
0: And what were those visual symptoms?
1: Um, The other thing that I want to mention about the headache also is that the the headache um, was primarily worse when she lays flat and it improved upon standing up. Um, They were worse when she went to bed. They they would wake her up from sleep. Um, She had no visual symptoms in the beginning but then she started having some visual obscurations um, where um, the right eye predominantly uh, would get started. The reason why she presented to the emergency room was that she started not seeing clearly from the right eye.
0: Well, already I'm getting worried about this story. So <laughs> know to me, I'm sure you're including these pertinent features on purpose, but what about this patient's presentation to you when you saw it really um, raised red flags for you?
1: So, of course, the positional component, I mean, if her symptoms are worse when she lies flat, that worries me already about an increased intracranial pressure. And if it had been happening for two weeks and she had not had any sort of treatment, then I worry that the reason why she's now starting to develop visual symptoms is that the pressure is high enough to now be causing optic disc
0: problems. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're starting to see those sort of manifest with some visual obscurations. You know, it's, this is perfect timing. Our last podcast, uh, or maybe it was two podcasts ago, somewhere in the last few, we had uh, Dr. Gottschalk on and we were talking about uh, the concerning features of a headache. And he mentioned the Snoop mnemonic, and we talked about sort of the variations of that. But I agree with you that the positional component, you know, either way, whether it's worth standing up or lying flat, suggests this is not your typical... You know, severe migraine headache. And also, this is a new headache for the patient, uh, certainly a new character, but a new severe headache t- completely. She doesn't have a history of severe headaches. And it's progressive. So it's, it's continuous over two weeks, but it's gradually getting worse and worse and worse. And that is, of course, not typical of a migraine or other benign headache types, uh, at least in most cases. So you put all of these things together uh, with the focal visual changes and uh, the positional component that you mentioned, this is concerning absolutely so uh, what else should we know about her history in terms of uh, anything else about the present illness or review of systems anything about her medical history that's relevant
1: um, so no significant past medical history um, she does when I look when I examined her um, she does have a, um, a large body habitus mm-hmm. um, so that something pertinent in our case when we think about the differential for her headaches mm-hmm.
0: um,
1: but no other, um, and she's not on any birth control pills. She's not on any uh, um, uh, vitamin A derivatives, um, like skin, der- uh, skin treatments or any mm-hmm. of that.
0: So uh, why do things like oral contraceptive pills and vitamin A derivatives matter in this patient's medical history?
1: Um so regarding birth control pills um they can cause a hypercoagulability uh which could predispose her to venous sinus thrombosis that could um cause a headache and could cause an elevation of the intracranial pressure um secondarily to that um the Vitamin A derivatives could lead to pseudotumor cerebri. I'm not sure about the exact mechanism, uh, but that's just something that we think about.
0: Yeah, it's an association we're always aware of, and I'll, I'll be honest—I'm not entirely sure of the mechanism pathophysiologically either. But it should be in our, uh, certainly, on our list of pertinent positives and negatives. So, um, anything else before we talk about this patient's exam that we should know from from her story?
1: Um. Not really. I mean, the um, I would it would say that over the counter medications, just like Tylenol and ibuprofen, did not really work for her.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and um, there were there was. I think it's important to also rule out infectious etiolo- etiologies. She did not have any neck stiffness, uh, no change in her mentation, um, no myalgias, cough, or fever.
0: So as we think about clinical reasoning here what what's on your differential at this point and how will that help you focus your exam
1: so at this point uh, my susp- like you said I mean I'm gonna look into a differential that causes elevated intracranial pressures so either um, in a mass occupying lesion so I would be looking um, on a physical exam I would be looking for any um, focality in her exam there could be also like we said a Likely, this uh, idiopathic intracranial hypertension in a young female with, who is otherwise healthy. It would be important to note whether the whether she has papilledema and if there is papilledema, whether it's unilateral, or bilateral, and venous sinus thrombosis.
0: Yeah, I agree with all of those things. Uh, certainly, I think the features of this headache raise concern for elevated intracranial pressures. And the only other thing I would add to the history in that case is: is there any family history of? hypercoagulability, frequent miscarriages, DVTs, things that could suggest this is the herald event of a hypercoagulable syndrome in this patient. All right, so let's talk about her physical exam. And you can just sort of, I think, uh, give us the pertinent positives and negatives. So she
1: had no focality on exam, meaning that she doesn't have any uh, arm like weakness, numbness, um, or any of that. Um, her eye exam, as you might guess, was the abnormal part about her neurological exam. Um, Her pupils were equally reactive to light. Her right visual acuity was 20 out of 70, and the left was 20 out of 20. She had intact extraocular muscle movements with no nystagmus. Her face was symmetric and no other abnormalities on exam. Uh, And and of course, important to note that she did have um, significant bilateral papilledema.
0: Okay. And how are her visual
1: fields? Her visual fields were intact.
0: Okay. So I think some of those positives and negatives are pertinent. Uh, She has a little bit of decreased acuity, right, greater than left. She has papilledema bilaterally, which is really important. Uh, The other things that are importantly negative are she doesn't have any cranial nerve restrictions. So in patients with uh, elevated intracranial pressure, we often see sixth nerve palsies uh, due to the long course of the sixth nerve is usually the most common one. Uh, it doesn't sound like she had that, so uh, certainly concerning for all of the things on your differential. So, what was done next? So,
1: what we did next uh, was request um, an dilated eye exam, actually, because it's mm-hmm. going to be important to you know assess other things that we can discuss later about what could cause optic disc swelling, um, and. Uh, We ordered an MRI brain uh, with and without, as well as an MRV. After those, we requested that an LP be done.
0: Excellent. So this is somebody who needs imaging before their LP. They have focal neurologic deficits and they have papilledema. Uh, Was there any discussion of which of those studies was most important, and particularly maybe even getting a CAT scan so you could uh, do an LP as soon as possible?
1: Given that her symptoms had been happening for two weeks already, Mm-hmm. Uh, I think at that point, it was just important to to get a a, a good thorough imaging. And mm-hmm. since we're lucky enough to be able to get MRI stat in the E-Day, um, I just felt like it would be higher yield study and it would give us uh, a bit of an explanation because if we found that there's a space occupying lesion, then maybe we don't even need to LP her. Maybe that was sufficient to cause her all of this. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's a right answer. I think it's just important to have a reason for doing whatever you do. And it sounds like an MRI was readily available. Uh, as you said, these had been maybe subacutely progressive, uh, certainly not same day. Uh, and she was otherwise, you know, not having any impairments of consciousness. Uh, certainly were her visual symptoms to progress quickly, uh, LP would be the definitive treatment, assuming this was a communicating hydrocephalus. So what did her uh, MRI show?
1: So her MRI ch- showed um flattening of the uh optic discs mm, mm-hmm. bilaterally okay um that was the that was the only thing noted on her mri her mrv was normal
0: that flattening of the posterior globe on mri tells you that you were correct in your judgment of papilledema uh, it's usually pretty severe at that point uh, exactly the is actually flattening okay and did ophthalmology have anything to add from their dilated and, and certainly more expert exam?
1: So they agreed that it's bilateral. They agreed that it is unlikely a primarily a primary eye problem, for example, like ischemic or infiltrative, just because it was both eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they also recommended that we take a look a closer look at the brain. And, you know, agreed with our imaging recommendation.
0: Good. So they got there even before. Uh,
1: Exactly. And they also agreed with, our, with us pursuing lumbar puncture.
0: So I think we're all, we're all dying to know, what was the opening pressure? So the opening pressure was higher than 65. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So this is fluid out the top of the extension tube. Exactly. Exactly. And the, the notable thing is that her
1: um, headache severity decreased from 10 to 3 after mm-hmm. death. No significant change in her visual symptoms yet, okay. yet we felt like it was good enough of, um, of an improvement for her to go home on a treatment and kind of follow up in the outpatient. But then unfortunately, she wound up coming back, and I can elaborate a little bit more on that as well.
0: Yeah, go ahead. Let's hear what happened to her. It, it sounds like the working diagnosis at that point then was IIH, given exactly. the findings and the elevated pressure and Uh, improvement and all that. Okay, so yeah, what happened in in her post-hospital course?
1: So we discharged her on Diamox, um, acetazolamide 500 BID. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, She went home, uh, was uh, intermittently better after the lumbar puncture. The following day, she represented to the emergency room because her right eye, she could only see hand waving. She could only count numbers, but nothing. I mean, her um, um, eye exam at that point, um had significantly worse um visual uh acuity
0: oh boy in both eyes or just the affected eye uh
1: the, the left eye started getting, getting affected actually i'm sorry i i blanked on the numbers the left okay. eye. Um, the left eye might have been like the 20 over 70 at that point but then the right eye was only finger counting
0: and what uh, what about her headache at that time
1: so her headache recurred again. So she woke up with the headache again, and then her visual symptoms had very rapidly progressed.
0: And did you have a sense of, did she have sort of a, an, uh, an improvement period or a lucent window after the first LP, before things started to get bad again?
1: Yeah. So she went home, her headache was resolved, went to bed with, with essentially very minimal headache, like a three out of 10, mm-hmm. and then woke up with it being much worse.
0: Okay geez so what happened at that point
1: so at that point um we went ahead and consulted neurosurgery She came back to the emergency room we admitted her consulted neurosurgery for a lumbar drain and there was a discussion about uh, um optic nerve fenestration uh possibly if her symptoms mm. continue to worse to worsen with the understanding that she likely has a malignant um idiopathic intracranial hypertension mm. um, which are very rapidly progressive.
0: yeah and uh, is she is this uh, sort of hot off the press? Is she still in the hospital, or where did things la- land? If not,
1: so unfortunately, she did get the lumbar drain. Her visual symptoms improved, but she never resolved back to normal. Okay. She got discharged. She's still taking dimox, and she's still pending follow up in the outpatient setting. But I'm, but she never she never really uh, went back to to baseline. Unfortunately.
0: Yeah. That's a uh, that's an unfortunate case, but I I think it represents probably the severe end of what we can see with I I H. Uh, we exactly. often think of a chronically managed condition, but what did what did you take away from this case? You know, having gone through it and watched it progress.
1: I think my main take point is to, once we see a headache patient, and, I, and this was also taught by one of our uh, neuro-ophthalmology faculty, Dr. Fizayo,
0: mm-hmm. uh
1: to us several times, is that once you get a headache case, before you get carried away in the details of the story, you need to look at the pupils. <laughs> um, and I think um, checking papilledema is the most important part of the headache history after we assured that there's no papilledema, then we can take our time and kind of uh, look through the migraine therapies and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I think also urging people uh, when there are red flags for them to present to the hospital right away is important. For example, our patient actually presented to outside providers, uh, including PCP um, and was really kind of deferred to management in the outpatient setting. But I think a more appreciation for the urgency should have been um established and she should have really come to the ed sooner
0: yeah it's it's really hard and you know it's tough to say if what the trajectory of her course would have been with how malignant this was but i agree with you that uh, a lesson that i learned early in residency uh, too uh, from multiple people including dr Fazio, was that the fundoscopic exam is a critical component of the neurologic exam and certainly everybody with a headache needs a fundoscopic exam it's been actually the most uncomfortable part of doing virtual visits Uh, during this COVID outbreak is we're seeing a lot of new headache cases. And, you know, we can't do a fundoscopic exam virtually. So we have to rely on these other red flag features as at least a reason to decide uh, how urgently someone might need uh, in-person evaluation or other workup. Yeah, definitely keep that in mind. I think, you know, always remember this case, papilledema itself, without visual changes, uh, we can usually manage a little less urgently in IIH uh, and start with oral medication. But as soon as the visual changes start to happen, there's the patients are at risk for a rapid permanent loss of vision.
1: The other thing that I um, noticed in this case, it's hard to believe that she only developed symptoms that they should present it to the emergency room, like visual symptoms, and then the following day immediately became only finger counting at that eye. So yeah. I think... Her visual symptoms might have happened very early on in the course, or even like midway, and she never really appreciated them yet.
0: You know, in her case, is also interesting for the fact that she really didn't get much extended relief from her diagnostic and therapeutic lumbar puncture. Do you know what her closing pressure was? Unfortunately, that was not measured. Okay. So we always think of trying to trying to drain off enough CSF to at least cut their opening pressure in half or normalize it, if possible, Uh, and. You know, we, we replete CSF very quickly, but these taps tend to give us a little more time than we would expect for, before symptoms recur, and that probably has to do with resetting the imbalance between CSF production and absorption, and some have also speculated, you know, we cause a small leak at the site of the tap that allows for a little further drainage. Uh, but in her case, clearly her balance was quite out of whack uh, as far as uh, an ex- tending toward excess CSF accumulation. Exactly. Anything else uh, you wanted to mention about this case we didn't get to talk about?
1: Um, the other thing that I read about, which uh, I had initially misunderstood, is that if it was actually a milder case of IIH, um, serial LPs are, are not recommended. Hmm. Uh, in a case that one LP, if it provides a good adequate headache relief, then you would go on um, uh, acetazolamide or even like Lasix or... Um, hmm. Uh, unless it is a severe case like this where uh, the visual acuity is affected, like you mentioned, then the lumbar puncture becomes the most crucial part of the uh, treatment, as well as the other options that we had kind of uh, mentioned earlier.
0: Sure. Uh, Yeah, shunting and and optic nerve fenestration. And of course, in in these non-malignant cases, but also in this patient's case, it's important to emphasize weight loss as the definitive treatment for IIH. And that's that's often difficult to do, but uh, there is always the option, even of bariatric surgery, uh, if a patient really is at risk for visual consequences. So uh, a lot of options, and I hope we can prevent a recurrence uh, and certainly her vision uh, loss progressing any further. Well, thank you. This was a great learning case. I uh, hope you enjoyed your first time on the podcast. Maybe we can have you back sometime.
1: <laughs> sure. Right. Thank you very much. I learned as well from talking about it with you.
0: Great. See you later. See you. Stay tuned, everybody. Bye-bye.